0: Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I am Kyle Hyman, and we like to begin our show with a prayer, and we will be praying the Angelus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Hail Mary, Mary, full full of of grace, grace, the the Lord Lord is with with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mary, Mother Mother of God, pray for us sinners, sinners, now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen
0: Holy Holy Mary, Mary, Mother Mother of God, God, pray pray for for us sinners, sinners, now and at at the
1: hour hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, your grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ your Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord amen in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen
2: welcome to truth and charity with bishop rhodes brought to you in part by notre dame federal credit union we're starting this week's episode with kyle and bishop having a conversation about the current moral crisis the church is experiencing including the scandal surrounding former cardinal theodore mccarrick and the Grand Jury Report, which details the sexual abuse of minors in six Pennsylvania dioceses. Before their conversation begins, we'd like to play for you a recording of the press conference Bishop Rhodes gave shortly after the Grand Jury Report was released last week.
1: Earlier this week, a Grand Jury Report on sexual abuse in six Pennsylvania dioceses was shared publicly. The details revealed are equally appalling and heartbreaking. One can only imagine the pain and the anguish inflicted by these abusive priests. To the victims and their families, I offer my heartfelt sympathy and support. No words can return what has been taken from you. The church failed you. And for this, I apologize. The report looks back more than 70 years and in mainly detailing abuse that occurred before 2002, it underscores the importance of the policies and procedures in place today that guide us in responding to allegations of abuse. I fully enforced these policies during my five years as bishop in Harrisburg. The grand jury report mentions two cases of abuse that I was presented with during my time as bishop of Harrisburg. In each of these instances, upon learning of the allegations, I notified law enforcement and punished each individual, even though both had already been removed from ministry after previous allegations. I have upheld an unwavering commitment to child safety, both in the Diocese of Harrisburg and now right here in the Diocese of Fort Wayne, South Bend. We strictly adhere to a zero-tolerance policy on abuse. All allegations result in immediate notifications to local law enforcement or Indiana's child abuse and neglect hotline. We remove any credibly accused priest who is serving in a ministry capacity and we notify the parish and the public. To be clear, During my tenure as bishop, I have publicly released the name of every priest that I have removed from ministry as a result of a credible allegation of sexual abuse of a minor. As leaders, we have an obligation to protect the vulnerable who cannot protect themselves. As a bishop, I have worked to expose and punish those responsible for abuse If the Pennsylvania grand jury report taught us anything, it's that victims deserve to see the names of their abusers made public for all to see, for everyone to know the pain caused by these priests. However, releasing the names of previous credibly accused abusers is not widely done. Only about one in four dioceses across the country have taken this step. Today, I am announcing that the Diocese of Fort Wayne, South Bend, will begin the process of collecting and releasing the names of all individuals who have been credibly accused of abuse. It is my hope that by releasing these names, the innocent victims, of these horrific and heartbreaking crimes can finally begin the process of healing. As we've seen in Pennsylvania, this report and the listing of abusers has prompted new victims to come forward. Whether it's now or following the posting of our list, I want the people of Fort Wayne and South Bend to know this, if you, or someone you know is a victim of abuse, there are things you can do. Report it to the police. Call an abuse crisis hotline. Reach out to the victim assistance coordinator for the diocese. In the shadow of this report, we must make an effort to regain the trust of our faithful and the communities we serve. We must be vigilant in our efforts to protect our youth with the lord's guidance and love we will do so
0: welcome to truth and charity with bishop rhodes i am kyle hyman here with our bishop and uh, lots happened since last time we talked Uh, you've been traveling uh, but also we broadcasted your Press conference that happened on Friday, and also we had a, a question from a listener, kind of on the topic of the abuse crisis that's happening right now. And so maybe we could start with that question. Sure. Denise Ewing from St. Vincent's in Fort Wayne said, "Once again, I am disappointed and distressed to hear or read about another case of sexual abuse by a priest or cardinal in the Catholic Church. The most recent being Cardinal McCarrick." She cites a, a New York Times article. How are we to respond when asked about this? How am I to evangelize non-Catholics or try to bring fallen away Catholics back to the faith when this and other cover-up of the abuse has been an issue for decades? How can they possibly trust us? Thank you. Well, thank you for that question. It's a difficult question.
1: And I think, um, well, I want to say, first of all, I'm grateful that Redeemer Radio broadcast my press conference last week. Mm -hmm. It's just been a devastating time for the church. This revelation of the horrible sexual abuse of minors by clergy that we read about in the Pennsylvania grand jury report, six dioceses. And of course, before that, the scandal with Archbishop McCarrick and then scandals in other countries also uh, for the church. So the question, I think, is a good one in that I think what's happened is not only disturbing to us, but there's a lot of anger, like a lot of um, people shaken. Like, how, ha- how could these things have occurred within our church? You know, we have so many laity, but also priests. And I myself, we, we question, like, how could this have happened? We've been trying so hard since 2002 with the Charter for the Protection of Young People to follow everything, and then you have these revelations, I think it shows us that we can't reduce or our efforts or think that everything is, or slacken in our efforts. We cannot, mm-hmm. we have to have zero tolerance for this. And in the grand jury report, most of it was about abuse that took place many years ago. Mm-hmm. but. It also, you know, some of the accusations of cover-up, et cetera, not just accusations, but proofs of trying to keep all of this hidden. And that's why I made the difficult decision that I'm going to release names of um, those who've been credibly accused in our diocese. That's a very difficult thing to do, but about a quarter of the dioceses in the United States have done so, and I expect more. But a... I think what I wanted to really highlight in the press conference is, we always have to think about the victim survivors Mm -hmm. of sexual abuse. If anything, in reading the grand jury report, to see the suffering that they endured and some of the sins and crimes against them, it's just horrendous. So, you know, our prayers and our efforts for healing—we have we've done a lot here in our own diocese. I think to help uh, victim survivors. And I think everyone's more aware of that, the terrible harm caused by sexual abuse of minors in particular. So getting to the question that the listener presented, it's kind of like, where do we go from here, mm-hmm. okay? we The ongoing cleaning up of this mess, but then does it hurt the church's efforts of evangelization and reaching out to those who are not practicing the faith and all? I think this definitely does sure. hurt. I think, it can shake our, our faith. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I think sometimes of church history, there have been periods in church history of corruption where things were really bad, including in the area of immorality of clergy. Mm-hmm. And the church got through those times. And you know, it's interesting how saints arose during those times too. Mm. And there was a purification that took place You know, we're dealing here with the reality of sin, human sin. So we have to continue to try to eradicate this cancer that's in the body of Christ, the church. And I think still we have to cling to Christ in all of this. We see the human failings of bishops and and priests and other church personnel. But our faith isn't in human beings. Our faith is in the Lord. I mean, that's that's how I uh, handle it myself is yeah. trying to cling to Christ and maybe to try to be holier ourselves because in the purification that's needed, you know, I think the best thing is, is our witness to others because it is hard to evangelize given how the image of the church has been so tarnished. All we can do, I think, is pray and bear good witness to our faith to show the good side of the Catholic church while we continue to correct and eradicate the things that are on the dark side.
0: Are there changes being made within uh, either diocesan structures or even more on a a national or international level as far as preventing this from happening in the future? Well, our
1: policies for youth protection are already very good in our diocese. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're always looking at them to see if there's ways that we can improve them. But I think where, where there's been a avoid is what do you do with um, bishops who abuse or cover up sure so that's what's going to be looked at i think on the national well there have been proposals already Mm -hmm. from cardinal dinardo and uh, who's the president of the united states conference of catholic bishops um, so that that there'd be some way obviously the situation of what happened with archbishop mccarrick there needs to be a thorough investigation Mm -hmm. like how did that happen who knew that he had been uh, abusing. Right. So those things need to happen. As far as disciplining bishops that that only comes from the pope, it only comes from the Vatican. So that's that's certainly being looked at, I'm sure by Rome. And maybe they'll empower the local episcopal conference or or whatever. Or, um, and we need lay involvement in this, you know, definitely. Like in our diocese, we have the diocesan review board, which is mostly all laity, mm. and they're experts in this area. So, they're a great assistance to me when we receive complaints or allegations of sexual abuse. I do rely on their counsel and their expertise. So, uh, we'll just have to to wait and see as far as what's going to happen on the level of the Vatican. But, um there needs to be some additional, obviously, safeguards so that this terrible thing will never happen again.
0: There's been some in social media posts and things like that saying that they're leaving the church over this. Do you have any message for those that feel like that's the the proper response to a situation like this?
1: I mean, I think that's, when I hear that response, it it saddens me so much, you know, but I think when there is these terrible things, it, it does as I said earlier. It shakes people's faith, mm-hmm. and um, I would just hope and pray that they'll return, that they'll realize that this human side of sin isn't the t- isn't uh, the Catholic Church itself. You know, there's so much good and there's so much, so many holy priests and mm-hmm. so many holy people. We have the sacraments. Um, this is the church that Jesus established but human beings make a mess of things and uh as i said our faith is can't be in the human beings or even our in the hierarchy it it has to be in in the lord that's number one
0: all right. Well, for those that would like to see the press conference, the video is available. You can go to the diocesan website, org, and you can see the uh, video of the press conference as well as a written transcript of the press conference available there. Uh, we did broadcast that on Redeemer Radio. Uh, but coming up, I'd like to kind of shift the conversation to talk a little bit about the ordination that happened over in Africa and a little bit more about that. And I'm excited... I maybe to- also. A little bit about Father
1: Sextus. How about Father Sextus, Don, God rest his soul. That would be good. Definitely.
0: So that's all coming up here on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I am Kyle Hyman, here with Bishop. And shortly before you left for your trip, I want to talk all about that. There's uh, an amazing video that was posted when you're over in Africa. And uh, But shortly before you left, one of our priests passed away, Father Sextus Don. Uh, did you know him very well?
1: Yes, he was a very good priest. Um, Father Sexus was only 66 years old and died of a heart attack and But he served here in our diocese for many years. He was a native of Sri Lanka and a member of the Salesian Order. And uh, he came to the United States in 1992 and served in New York, the state of New York, for four years. And then Bishop Darcy invited him to our diocese in 1997. So he's been here ever since. He spent four years at St. Paul of the Cross Parish in Columbia City. And then, after those four years, in, in the year 2001, he was transferred to St. Bernard's Parish in Wabash, where he was pastor for 17 years, yeah. and really a beloved pastor. I uh, I regretted that I wasn't able to celebrate his funeral mass because I was in Africa for the ordinations, but I heard that the church was full, and. People really appreciated Father Sextus. I heard many wonderful testimonies of people about his ministry and their appreciation for his ministry and how his um, devotion to the parish was so strong and uh, the liturgy, his, his concern and support of the school, just many, many good things about him. So, so, let's all, maybe we could just say a little prayer as we do so often for the faithful departed. For Father Sextus, eternal rest grant unto him, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon him. May he rest in peace.
0: Amen. Amen. All right, yeah. And actually, Father Sextus was uh, concelebrating at our wedding. My wife's family was was close to him, being Uh, from Columbia City. And so, yeah, a great man. Well, while you were in Nigeria, this is quite an interesting trip. I don't even know how it how it came about that you went over there for this ordination. Is this a common thing that US bishops would go abroad to ordain men? It's not real common,
1: but um, the congregation of the Holy Spirit, also called Spiritans or Holy Ghost Fathers, have been asking me to come over for ordinations for, for years now. And I finally said yes. And we have a connection because we have eight priests from Nigeria, who are Spiritans, member of the members of the Congregation of the Holy Spirit, okay. so they've been supplying priests for us. So we have a few of the priests that are here are uh, at Notre Dame, teaching, but we also have some who are serving in our parishes. Father Lawrence at Saint Therese in Fort Wayne, the pastor. He's a Spiritan priest, okay. as well as Father Joachim, who lives at St. Patrick's Rectory in South Bend and is the chaplain at Memorial Hospital. He accompanied me on the trip. Oh, good, Father Joachim. So that was really nice, and I even got to have a meal with his family. Huh. Also, Father Charles, who's an associate at St. John the Baptist in New Haven, and Father Mark and Amali, who has served here and attended Notre Dame, and will be replacing Father Charles at St. John the Baptist New Haven is also a Spiritan. So anyhow, we've been really blessed. I mean, they've been such a a great help to us. So this was my first time in Nigeria, and it was a real joy. I ordained, it was the biggest ordination I ever had. I ordained in one Mass 13 new priests and 10 (sighs) new deacons.
0: Huh? Is that typical for that order, to have that many vocations? Yes, you know, I think uh,
1: Nigeria at least in Africa, but maybe even beyond, has the largest number of vocations, priestly vocations. And uh, hmm. they uh, they have yeah, a ton of young men in the seminary. As a matter of fact, they cannot accommodate all the applications yeah. that they have. The Spiritans have four provinces in Nigeria. And uh, basically, the Catholic faith was brought to Nigeria by Spiritans, first from France and then mostly Ireland, including in the area where I was. I was in the city of Onesia and uh, surrounding dioceses, and so it was the southeast province of the Spiritans. I was able to visit their novitiate, where their novices live and study, and I stayed at one of their parishes when I first arrived for one night near the airport, and then, traveled and and stayed the rest of the time at the provincial house in onisha it was just a fantastic trip i mean the church in nigeria is is vibrant it's uh the liturgies are incredible the participation of the people the music you know i celebrated a sunday mass in one of the parishes no i celebrated sunday mass at the church at the provincial house excuse Uh me but the, the ordination mass was in one of the parishes, very large church, and there was so much joy. It was an incredible liturgy. It was five hours long, and that meant nothing to the people. The Sunday <laughs> mass that I celebrated was two hours long, and they that's not unusual for them. It could yeah. be usually longer because of all the music. And then they have a very large offertory procession where they they not only bring up money, the people, instead of... Passing a collection basket around, people actually come up to the altar and they give money. But they also, for example, at the ordination, the families all brought gifts of food from their farms, mm-hmm. uh, animals, including live animals, chickens and goats. Yeah, and they were all brought up in the obtrate procession. That must have gone on for forty five minutes, uh-huh. and everyone's singing and they're kind of they're doing a little dance as they're going up the aisle.
0: Uh-huh. It's it's really amazing. Yeah. Do you think there's a correlation between the two, these uh, elaborate and not worried about how long the mass goes and an enthusiasm for the liturgy, maybe even, and their vocations that they're getting such a huge response? Oh, I'm
1: sure. I'm sure. Because when you have such strong
0: faith, I mean, you
1: could see the way the people in praying, you know, they were so fervent Hmm. during the mass that, uh, That's shown also vocally in the singing, et cetera. And I think, therefore, in the family, in the home, there's a
0: lot of faith, and that fosters vocations. There was a video that you posted on your Facebook page. Was uh, that—if people haven't seen it, definitely go and, first of all, like your Facebook page, but then also check out that video. Was that after the Mass?
1: It was the end. It was like the recessional (laughs) hymn. Uh, That was the Sunday Mass. Yeah, I was really grateful someone— tape that for me because I thought at least it gives people a little taste yeah. of, of the joy that's there. And uh, yeah, I, I loved it. And I was so happy because I got to meet people I wasn't expecting. Some of the families of our priests who were serving here came oh, to the ordination. Okay. And our seminarian, we have a seminarian, Augustine, uh-huh. who uh, I, was, I was so surprised his mother and his brother were there. And they oh, came. Good. And Father Lawrence's brothers and sister came to see me. And of course, they're all bringing gifts. They were just so kind. The hospitality was amazing. I also saw a couple priests who had served in our diocese in the past. They also came. I was running into people all the time. And also some of, of the Nigerians that we have who are not Spiritans. For example, Father Francis, who is um, pastor in St. John Bosco, Churubusco. Okay. Um, his bishop, and mecca conception eggy also his bishop came over to see me which was really nice and then the bishop of the uh where i had the ordination he arrived at the ordination very near the end oh really just to give a greeting and that was very kind bishop hillary of the diocese of newey that's where the parish was located where the ordination mass took place and then of course at the uh Archdiocese of Onisha the Archbishop had me to his house for dinner. I was hosted the whole time by the provincial superior Father Greg who um, really took good care of me and but it was busy. I mean there was there was a um, lot of meeting of people and yeah it was a great trip.
0: Well, I want to hear a little bit more about the trip. Uh, I'm always curious about the food that you had over there. Um, And and also, your trip was extended past that, so we'll hear a little bit more about that. So that's coming up. And if you have questions for Bishop in the future, you can always call or text the Holy Cross College text line at 260-436-9598. Coming up, Bishop will share more about his recent travels on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union.
2: If you're enjoying Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, be sure to check out Redeemer Radio's other locally produced programs, including The Kyle Hyman Show, Dr. Doctor, and Church Life Today. To listen to previous episodes of any of these, go to RedeemerRadio.com and select Audio Library, or download the free Redeemer Radio app onto your smartphone or tablet and listen there. You can also submit questions for Bishop Rhodes to answer on a future episode of Truth and Charity on the app or website. Or if you have a question for Dr. Doctor, a show featuring three physicians from the Fort Wayne South Bend Diocese, you can submit it there too. So don't forget the Redeemer Radio app and website for past episodes of all our locally produced shows. Thanks for listening to and supporting Redeemer Radio as we continue our mission of spreading the good news of Jesus Christ.
0: Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman, and we've been talking about your recent trip to Nigeria to ordain, uh, did you say 13... Thirteen priests and ten deacons. So amazing. So there was not another bishop there for the ordination? No, he just came at the end. Yeah. So is there a reason why he didn't do the ordination? Well,
1: that's because they they invited me. Yeah. (laughs) But he's fine. I mean, he he had to give approval for that. Sure. Um, But, you know, with religious orders, even here in our diocese, I don't have all the ordinations of the Holy Cross priests and deacons. Sometimes they invite outside bishops. They have bishops of their own who are Holy Cross priests who sometimes
0: uh, celebrate the ordinations. Okay, got it. So we were talking about this being the the Spiritan priests. Yes. And you mentioned there's quite a few of them in our diocese. What is, it's like a charism of the order. Yeah, you know, um, in the United States, they have a province and they run
1: Duquesne University. University in Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. Um, but mainly, I think they're, they're missionaries. Mm-hmm. So they they serve in areas where there's a need for priests and a special commitment to the poor. I guess following the lead of the Holy Spirit where the church needs them. Yeah. Uh, that's where they go. Huh.
0: And are they based in Nigeria then? Or are they also formation? Well, that's oh. a good question. I think they're... Their
1: general it is in Rome. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Their general it's in Rome.
0: So, how many ordinations do you think you've been to? That I've celebrated or? Just, I guess, either. But first, I was interested in how many you've been to, because you probably went to some when you were over in Rome. Yeah, I've been to a lot of
1: ordinations. Uh Uh, I mean, ever since I was in the seminary, Uh I would have gone to
0: ordinations every year. So, I've... At least once a year, probably. Yeah, exactly. So many dozens and then how many have you been to outside of the country
1: prop well i was ordained a deacon in rome Uh so i've been to ordinations in rome i don't and now in nigeria i don't remember if i've been in any other countries for ordinations
0: was the one in nigeria the the most unique of the ordinations that you've been to definitely (laughs) definitely always and it'll always be in my memory uh Very memorable. Again, if you didn't see the video, go check out Bishop's Facebook page for that video. It's really good. Uh, What was the food like in Nigeria? I enjoyed the food. You know, I wasn't sure it was
1: um, if I was going to like it. I mean, there were certain vegetables I had never eaten before. I don't even know their names. They have a little ceremony when you go somewhere and they welcome you. Where they and I can't remember. There's a, a fruit that they give you, and they um, so they did that. They would bring a plate over, and they it's like a little ceremony. Yeah, and then uh, oh wow, I, I wish I could remember the name. Um, but the regular fair, I mean. It wasn't that different. I mean, a lot of rice. I had a lot of rice and there was it was very good. a lot of good vegetables, good fruit. As far as meat, I remember you know there was chicken, sometimes a little spicy,
0: which I like. Hmm. Um, but I had
1: no trouble with the food. Yeah I, I really enjoyed the
0: food. Any other highlights from that trip? Did you get to do any sightseeing or visit? I mean, you mentioned being able to visit with some families and things. Yeah, but, but not real sightseeing, yeah. no,
1: because it was all busy with people. Yeah. It was all busy with
0: people. I mean, I saw some of the churches, uh-huh. uh,
1: you know, including the cathedral in Onesia, which is a basilica, but no, there was no sightseeing. It was all people-oriented, and that, that was really enjoyable because I kind of got to know not only you know, about the level of the faith, but the culture, a lot were of the Igbo tribe. Okay. And I think that's a largely Catholic tribe or ethnic group, I guess we should say, in the eastern part of Nigeria. And I think m- the, the large portion of the, of the country's Catholic population is in that eastern and southern part of Nigeria. Mm. And that's where we were. Okay. And then after that, you went to Rome? Yeah, right? I... I uh, there's a family I'm good friends with from England and they were uh, going to Rome as part of their vacation Uh and we were wanted to get together. So rather than come right back to the, to us, I decided to take an extra week or actually it was probably five or six days in Rome. And I also had met my uh, sister and her husband and another couple um, of friends of mine. It's always good to get back to Rome. It's been a few years since I was there, but my friends from England, their kids hadn't seen uh, been to Rome before uh-huh. so it was kind of going to the highlights you know? yeah. and I always say when people go to Rome you have to go to the four major basilicas uh-huh. so we did that St. Peter's of course and uh, were you the si- tour guide I was the tour guide uh- and <laughs> uh, but you know what? I noticed I was forgetting things uh, from what I used to know when uh-huh. I give tours. My tours aren't as good as they were. But um, <laughs> but what was great was every morning I would have mass in St. Peter's in a, diff- at a different chapel down in the crypt. One chapel very near the tomb of St. Peter's. It was great. Great way to start the day because we were staying real close uh, to St. Peter's. So we went then to the other basilica, St. Paul Outside the Walls, St. Mary Major, and St. John Lateran because i always say you know your first trip to rome you should you have to visit the four major basilicas okay we also went to see the sistine chapel they really wanted to do that boy was that tough yeah the crowds were just oh my goodness the way that was it was not enjoyable I yeah. mean, it's just like pu- everyone pushing and <laughs> kind of oh my takes guess,
0: the prayer out of it, it. <laughs> it takes
1: yeah that was like oh my i was sweating and it was but anyhow it was important that they got to see the sistine chapel and then i think the rest were just like just walking around and seeing different churches and different piazzas and enjoying the food and the gelato and but it was it was yeah it was good it was very good. Now August, it's very hot. Hot in Rome. Now the okay. Pope was there, by the way, and uh-huh. we did see him twice. We saw Pope Francis from afar. Uh-huh. At uh, there was a gathering, and I forget which day it was, but the day after we I arrived, the Pope was meeting with over a hundred thousand youth from throughout Italy. There was oh, wow. some kind of a youth pilgrimage, kind of a a mini World Youth Day kind of thing. So there were young people all over, and then. On Sun, no, on the Feast of the Assumption, August fifteenth, we were back in St. Peter's Square for the Angelus and the Papal Blessing uh-huh. uh, for the Feast of the Assumption. But it was hot. August. I recommend pe- listeners, if you're ever looking at a pilgrimage or trip to Rome, don't go in August. It's very <laughs> hot. I knew that already, but yeah. you know, what could I do? I was going to Nigeria, which was hot also. Right. So right. Uh,
0: I'm just glad to be back in air conditioning, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> So when you say masses at these major basilicas, I imagine there's some kind of a sign-up process to—it's to, to it's in one of the, the side chapels or something like that a lot of times? Well, I had all of my—I had one mass up at the North American College while I was there.
1: Okay. The others were all in the— crypt of st peter's basilica in the crypt okay so do you get a a crowd for that no it's just the people i was with although in the past when i've had mass there people have joined in Uh that have been walking around but but this time no there weren't any extra people so oh one other thing we uh did i did give them the tour of the scavi the excavations under st peter's which is really fantastic it's there's three levels there's the 16th century basilica The present basilica and under that when i talk about the crypt that's from the fourth century that's the level a lot of popes are buried down there but that's the level of the first basilica built by the emperor constantine in Uh the fourth century but under that's the cemetery the necropolis which is where saint peter was buried Uh so they've excavated some of that you can't excavate too much or because it supports the basilica, <laughs> right? But and you learn all about uh, the whole process for the discovery of of Saint Peter's bones, mm-hmm. and you see that, and it's am- amazingly preserved. Some of the rooms where people were buried, there's still art that you can see, frescoes, etc., that were preserved. So that's you can't just go; that you have to ahead of time have a reservation to, to do that. But we can give people information if they're going to Rome to get tickets for that it's really worthwhile yeah there was a book you recommended on the excavations,
0: oh, that's right the fisherman's tomb yes published by our sunday visitor yeah yeah all right well it sounds like you were working the whole time like you're either at an ordination you're meeting with families you're giving tours yeah <laughs> did yeah. you get a chance to relax or do you have a i had fun but i i it wasn't a, a restful vacation <laughs> yeah. no it wasn't really yeah <laughs> All right. Well, if you have any questions for Bishop, you can go to RedeemerRadio.com slash AskBishop. You can call or text the Holy Cross College text line at 260-436-9598. And we have more coming up right here on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I am Kyle Hyman here with our Bishop and... You, we've mentioned that you've just gotten back from traveling, a bunch of nations, visited Rome, uh, also a big mass that you recently celebrated. Can you tell us about that? Yes. On Sunday, I had a mass
1: at the Ancilla Domini Chapel in Donaldson for the poor handmaids of Jesus Christ. And I think maybe some of the listeners know that the foundress of the poor handmaids will be canonized a saint in October at that same ceremony when Pope Paul VI and Archbishop Romero will be canonized. So they get all the news. Right, (laughs) But Mother Mary Catherine Casper, Uh the foundress of the poor handmaids of Jesus Christ, will be canonized in October. And I'll be going back to Donaldson to have a diocesan mass. Uh, celebrating her canonization okay. uh, in, in November. But I was there this past Sunday because we're celebrating also this year, the poor handmaids, their, the 150th anniversary of their arrival in the United States. Uh-huh. So we had a full chapel. And by the way, if if you haven't, if listeners haven't been to Encilla Domini in Donaldson, it's one of the, I think, one of the prettiest churches in our diocese. And it's the mother house for the province, The poor handmaids came here from Germany. They were a German religious congregation that Mother Mary Catherine founded, and I think it was only about 16 years after their founding that uh, eight of them were sent here to Hmm. the United States, to our diocese. They were invited by our first bishop, Bishop John Henry Lors. Uh Uh-huh. So. That's what we were celebrating on Sunday, and it was really neat. In the offertory procession, the sisters brought up a pair of shoes that Mother Mary Catherine wore. Oh. So that would be a second-class relic. Yeah, um, But a lot of the sisters were there. There were former sisters. There were families of the sisters, workers who work at, at Donaldson because the sisters have a lot of ministries. <coughs> Excuse me. In Donaldson. I still have a cold from my trip, by okay. the way. <laughs> Um, They have um, the Catherine Casper Home, they have Ancilla College, and and, uh, and a retreat center, uh, Lindenwood it's called. So there's a lot of ministries the sisters have there. But the poor handmaids are a really important part of our diocesan history. Mm -hmm. When they came, the eight sisters that were sent by Mother Mary Catherine, by the way, the At that point, there were like 270-some sisters in the congregation and something like 230-some of them volunteered to come to America, which would have been quite a sacrifice. But the eight who Mother Mary Catherine sent came on boat. They were seasick. Actually, on Sunday, I I looked and I saw that would have been their sixth day of their 11-day voyage. Um, But they uh, arrived in New York. And then they rested in New York for two days and then came by train to Fort Wayne. And they arrived, and uh, I think they arrived in Fort Wayne on August 28th, but I don't have my homily. Okay. It was in my yeah, homily. I you. wish I would have brought it here. Um, and then they met Bishop Lors the next day, and then they were taken in a hay wagon to <laughs> Hessen Castle. Wow. And that's where they started. And within a couple of weeks, they were teaching. And they were visiting and caring for the sick uh, in their homes in that locality of Hessen Castle. I mean, it's amazing. Their ministries grew and more sisters came, and of course, a lot of Americans, uh, young women joined. So the community really grew. And they started staffing all different kinds of schools and healthcare ministries, orphanages, they did tremendous work, and including, for example, not long after they were in Hessen Castle, the bishop had some of them come back to Fort Wayne, and they started St. Joseph Hospital. Hmm. These were incredible women, uh, and they were, of course, they're learning English, and and one of the principal oh, yeah. reasons was to serve that they came was to serve German immigrants because there were a lot of German immigrants 150 years ago sure. who were coming over and needed care. So the sisters have a lot to celebrate, and. Um, And it was neat because this is one province of the poor handmaids. There are other provinces in the world because they spread other places like they're in Brazil and in Mexico, I know. There were some sisters here on Sunday from Germany, including the sister who's the superior general and and her her council, kind of the leadership team, Uh they were here for the celebration. So this is quite a year for the poor handmaids. Of course, they were planning the 150th anniversary celebrations, and they have various things going on throughout the 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 anniversary year but as kind of the icing on the cake pope francis announced that that he was going to canonize their founders because the second miracle was approved Uh and uh i would love to go over for the canonization but i was just in rome i can't be out of the diocese again and my calendar is just too full but but certainly we'll we'll have our own celebration here in november
0: okay and their chapel the Ancilla
1: Domini? Yes. Ancilla Domini is Latin and it means handmaid of the Lord. Oh. So Ancilla okay. College, uh-huh. you know, it's handmaid college. Gotcha. Uh, Ancilla Domini is the name of the chapel. And they have a beautiful statue of the Annunciation. That's when Mary said to uh, Gabriel, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your will. Mm-hmm. So they have a beautiful, uh, above the main altar, statue of the Annunciation, both with Mary and the Archangel Gabriel. Uh The only thing is the the chapel is not air conditioned. Okay. So I, I uh, but they had the right of sprinkling. So I was sprinkling extra holy water. Uh, People were very grateful. Uh, being for that. generous,
0: <laughs> holy water. <laughs> well, I've never been there. It, can you just stop in and visit? I and think so. Spend some time yeah. in prayer and yeah, I think. I know so. they do official retreats and things like that as well. If you want right. to do something more formal, but I, you know,
1: I can't say for sure what their hours are. But okay. I, maybe I would. I would bet you could check online Sure Look uh, it up on before their you go and, and make sure yeah. Sounds like
0: that'd be a great trip for a family To it go is. up there for an afternoon it's, And
1: if people don't know where Donaldson is it's, it's a little bit west of Plymouth Just a couple miles So it's really not that far Certainly it's closer to South Bend For our listeners in the South Bend area mm-hmm. But even from Fort Wayne I think it was an hour and a half Maybe an hour and 45 minutes for me to get there
0: okay and their website is poorhandmaids.org pretty simple so you can find them all right well sounds like you've been very busy and a lot of exciting things also some some very important things that you've had to address uh so hope you get some rest and uh are you caught up from your jet lag even not really (laughs) uh i'm hoping to soon because i've been waking up way too early yeah All right. Well, thank you so much, Bishop, for joining us again for this and for sharing with us. And could we get your Episcopal blessing before we go? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now and forever.
1: Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. May almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. You're welcome, Kyle.
2: Join us next week for another new episode of Truth in Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union.